Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trainer here with you, and it is Thursday, October 8th. We, uh... Unfortunately, I couldn't come to you yesterday, had a kind of a heavy day with writing. So um, by the time I finally got around to uh, a free spot in the schedule, it was kind of late to do a podcast. And matter of fact, I was getting ready to tape today's crossover show with uh, Marcus Mosier of Locked On Cowboys. So I figured I would just carry everything over today. And before I tell you what's on tap for today's show, besides obviously the crossover show with Locked On Cowboys, Cowboys co-host Marcus Mosier. Just want to take uh, a moment to tell you this football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch the season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Make sure you go over to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out some of the latest football watching content from Pepsi. All right, Giant fans, so I promised I would tell you uh, what's on tap for today's show. Segments two and three, Marcus Mosier of Locked on Cowboys will join me and we will break down each team as they get ready for a Sunday matchup this weekend down in the Big D, or actually down in Arlington now, as it were. But first, on this segment, I want to do what I would have normally done on Wednesday's show. And, and what I've been doing every Wednesday is I've been going back and looking at the history between the two teams that are scheduled to play, the Giants and whoever their opponent is. And I'm actually going to consolidate, obviously, because normally I would devote one segment per game to just kind of talk about. And I wrote down a few games, actually, from the Dallas Giants uh, history. And these are all, uh, I think, pleasant memories. I think if you take this walk down memory lane with me, you will like a lot of these. So let's go ahead and kick it off. And one of the earliest ones I remember came in 1981. Uh, it was the last game of the regular season. I think it was December 19th, 1981, a 13-10 to Giants win in overtime when Joe Danello kicked the field goal uh, and became the hero after earlier in the game botching an a, uh, extra point, which made it look like the Giants were going to lose. So anyway, the Giants came back and they won that game. And what was so significant about that game is it ended a 17-year playoff drought for the Giants. They were in the playoffs for the first time, officially ending the wilderness year period. So it was a, a great moment for the Giants. And uh, what's interesting is in my book, The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the New York Giants, that's actually one of John Mara's favorite moments from the old Giant Stadium building. So check that book out if you haven't already. I think you'll like it. It's filled with a lot of great memories and moments. All right, the next game that I remember very well in the series is the 2007 Divisional Playoff game, a 21-17 Giants win. That was the game which, if you remember, the Cowboys decided to take the Giants lightly. You know, that was the game that uh, Tony Romo and Jason Witten went down to Cabo 
the uh, uh, during their bye week. They were the number one seed, so they they took a break, went down to Cabo, um, and then that was also the game. And I remember this really, really well. I remember that was the game where Cowboys owner Jerry Jones had distributed before the game he distributed to each player's locker a pair of tickets to the nfc championship game which would have been played at at the cowboys stadium had they won it and tom coughlin then the giants head coach found out about it and uh, i don't remember if he told the players or not but word got out and um, suffice to say that the Cowboys had to take those playoff tickets and make firewood out of them because they were no good after the Giants got done with them. And of course, that year the Giants went on. They beat the Green Bay Packers. That's that next week in the frigid cold. And they went on to the Super Bowl to win their first Super Bowl under Tom Coughlin and Eli Manning. And oh, what a what a, a uh, an amazing amazing um, postseason that was. I'll never forget that 2007 2008 postseason. It was just amazing. Okay, the next uh, game I want to mention was uh, the one I call the first one in the new stadium, the spoiling of the opening of Jerry's World. And that took place on September 20th, 2009. Lawrence Tynes with a 37-yard field goal gave the Giants a 33-31 one win. And uh, I just remember I was there for the opening of uh, the new stadium, the Cowboys' new stadium. And I just remember what a monstrosity it was. I mean, to give you an idea of how grandiose everything was, in the ladies' room, they had gold um, – what, I don't know what exactly what it's called, but it's like the, the paper towels that you use to dry your hands were very premium-like, and they had like gold edges. I don't know if it was real gold or what, but they were that fancy. And again, this is just to wipe your hands after washing them. So uh, I remember that. I remember the, the the china and the and the glassware that they used, and how fancy everything was, and the catered meals and everything, and just how how you know sparkling brand new that stadium was. And P.S. for as sparkling brand new as that stadium was, the parking was just a pain in the butt. We had a park across the street in in a uh, shopping center. Uh, parking lot. But anyway, uh, Lawrence Tynes, 37-yard field goal. Giants won that game 33-31. And somewhere in the stadium, hopefully it still exists at any rate, Eli Manning autographed a beam at the request of a stadium worker. And I think he signed it with his name and wrote, first win in new stadium. So that was really, you know, an extra sweet thing for the Giants. Okay, three more I want to talk about, um, both basically within a couple of weeks of each other. We had the, in 2011, December 11, 2011, Jason Pierre-Paul blocking Dan Bailey's field goal so that the Giants could win 37-34. That was a big one. That was just like, almost like a turning point for the Giants in their season um, because they, you know, we didn't know if they were going to win the division or even make it into the playoffs. But if there was any doubt then, it was a race the following um, time that they met the Cowboys, which was on this, uh, January f- uh, 1, I think it was on, uh, yeah, it was January 1st, 2012. So it was still part of that 2011 season. And the Giants basically knocked Dallas out of the playoffs. They won the NFC East with a 31-14 win. And that was the year the Giants continued onward to the Super Bowl, their second Super Bowl championship in the Tom Coughlin, Eli Manning era 
what a game that was. I remember that. I remember the celebration in the locker room and it was just, oh my gosh, I, I, I can't, I don't know that I could put it into words, folks. I mean, those celebrations were just tremendous and to cover that locker room was just, it was magic. I mean, it, it was probably as beautiful of a sight as I, as I remember in the 2007 uh, off season or uh, play, excuse me, postseason. So just a really amazing, amazing experience. The final game I'm going to mention, this one didn't have as happy an ending, but it's pretty popular and it's kind of recent. It took place last year, November 4th, 2019, the Black Cat game. Now, the reason why I mention that is, is for those who don't know, I'm an animal lover. I have a dog and I'm very, you know, pro animal. You know, I, I don't like it when I see people, you know, abusing animals. I, and, and it upsets me when animals are abandoned and whatnot. And while I'm not in particularly a cat lover, you know, I can appreciate cats. There, there are plenty of stray cats walking around my neighborhood, um, that come and go. Unfortunately, they haven't been socialized and whatnot, but, uh, you know, you, you do try and leave food out and whatnot for the cats. But anyway, to see that black cat scamper around and, and how scared it was. I mean, for me, it was just, you know, it, it, it pulled at my heartstrings because, the animal just looks so scared. And thankfully, stadium workers were able to track it down and they, they retrieved it and it wasn't harmed. And I believe it was, it was taken to a shelter. I don't know what's become of it since, but you know, that was, I just remember the roar of the crowd just absolutely freaking the poor cat out. And, uh, you know, everybody will, will go back and say, well, the Giants haven't had much good luck since the, you know, the black cat, but, you know, I, I'm sorry. I just can't blame it on a on our little furry four legged friends. You know, they're they're they don't cause bad luck. You know, it's just we we make our own luck. I really believe that. So, anyway, those are my picks for the most memorable moments in Giants Cowboys history. Now, when the Giants play the Cowboys again later on in the year, I'll probably flip it and talk about some of the games to forget about. Just to be on, you know, to be fair, you know, when it, when we have the NFC East teams, obviously we've got to do um, two shows on that. So I think I'll flip it and do the ones to forget about. But I wanted to leave you with those those memorable moments because they were were really special, and I hope you enjoyed that quick. Uh, walk down memory lane. All right, folks, we are going to take our first break. And when we come back, Marcus Mosier of Locked On Cowboys joins me for the crossover show in segments two and three. Stay with us. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models of cars and trucks, it's become impossible for retail shops to stock everything in a traditional chain storefront. So the next time you need a part for your car or truck, visit rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. RockAuto.com offers scores of different auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers for nearly every make and model of car out there. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, 
prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and are the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities. Whether there are corner stores, our coffee spots, or our favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders. They call us by name. Always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So now it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at a local business. And look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be. Official partner of the NFL. Hey, welcome back, Giant fans, and a big welcome to the Dallas Cowboy fans. You are here with Patricia Trena of Locked On Giants, and joining me now is Marcus Mosier. He is one of the co-hosts of the Locked On Cowboys podcast, and we are here to do our weekly crossover show. Marcus, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Patricia. I'm, uh, I'm excited to do this. It feels like we play all the time, the Cowboys and Giants, but this certainly feels like the latest in the season, right? Normally, we're used to... Uh, a week one or week two game. Week five, this is this is a little later than usual. Yes, it is. And I think it was by design, actually. I mean, I, I wonder how much COVID had to do with it and how much yeah. they were wondering if maybe they would cancel the first four games of the season. But nonetheless, we play, you know, the teams played the first four games of the season. The Cowboys are one and three, the Giants 0-4. The NFC East, what a mess. What a it's mess. It's atrocious, Let's- man. Yeah, and let's start there, Marcus. You know, because I've been I've been asking, you know, other other folks their opinions about the NFC East huh. because this is you know a topic I think that needs to be discussed. What do you think has been the biggest problem with the division this year? I I really don't know, but it's just it's frustrating because you know not too long ago the the NFC East was considered like the premier division in football, right? It was the every week it had the primetime game or the you know, the America's game of the week. And all of a sudden, this is the, the division that gets laughed at. I, I don't know if this is just over time, the front offices have gotten worse. Um, I'm not sure if the quarterback play has decreased. I know uh, maybe that's it, you know, with, you know, New York having Eli Manning for all those years and the Cowboys having Tony Romo. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I, I honestly don't have a good answer for you. I'm not, I'm not sure why this, why this division has tailed off so much in the last two, three, four years. All right. Well, then let's kind of focus in then on the Cowboys. You know, Mike McCarthy hired. I know a lot of Cowboy fans and writers were excited given his resume. The results just haven't been there yet. And I'm just curious, what do you see as the biggest problem? Why why the Cowboys are just off to one of their worst starts ever? Yeah, so there's really two trains of thoughts here, right? It's either you blame the offense and you, or you blame the defense. And I think I can make the case for each, right? Um, we'll start with the defense. I mean, they've been bad. They forced, you know, one real turnover, one interception in week one. Uh, they can't rush the passer. Now they've had some injuries in their linebacking core, and that's been a problem. But 
Uh, they just don't have a lot of top end talent on this defense. Uh, they're switching to a new scheme with Mike Nolan, and they're completely lost right now. And this defense is giving up, you know, 40 points a game over the last three games. It's just really bad. But on the offensive side of things, they're putting up a lot of points and yards, but they're also making a ton of mistakes, right? This is a team, again, over the last three weeks, they have nine turnovers on offense. They have two failed two-point conversions. They have two missed extra points. Um, they have a safety. They're constantly uh, you know, giving the defense short fields. So um, as great as their offense has been, they're not holding up the end of the bargain as well. So uh, it, it, right now they're just not playing complementary football. Um, you can see the ceiling of this team, but you can also see the floor. I mean, if this offense struggles at all to move the ball, this is a really bad team. That again, I'm not sure there's you know there's a lot of teams in the NFL that can stop their offense. So through four games, it's it's hard to make any big you know sweeping decisions about Mike McCarthy. Um, but so far, it hasn't been great. You know, I want to talk about the offensive line because for years the Cowboys had probably the cream of the crop in terms mm. of offensive lines. They've had some injuries. I know Travis Frederick retired. Lyle Collins is banged up. I think he's on IR. I think yes. uh, the center Looney is also banged up. And I think there might be even another guy that you have banged up. You know, just how much do you think that's kind of contributed to the offense's struggles? A lot. And again, they haven't necessarily struggled with uh, putting points up on the board, but they have been inconsistent. Like in the in the Browns game in week um, four, right? They score 38 points in that game, but they score no points in the second or third quarter. They have a bunch of turnovers, and those turnovers are caused by poor offensive line play. Um, both of the sacks that Miles Garrett got were against an undrafted free agent right tackle in Terrence Steele, uh, who is playing for Lyle Collins. Uh, Tyron Smith, it was his first game back from a neck injury. Uh, they're used to having three, four Pro Bowl, all, you know, Pro Bowl caliber offensive linemen on this team, and it just hasn't been that good this year. I mean, I know the Giants fans listening to this are probably rolling their eyes right now, but the, this Cowboys team is so accustomed to having great offensive line play that when you see them performing well below average, it's just it's a shock. Now, flipping over to the defense. I, I think I read where Mike McCarthy was asked about the struggles of the defense and he said it wasn't coaching, it wasn't the scheme, it wasn't talent. Well, if it's none of those three, then what is it? <laughs> uh, communication. That's that's what Mike McCarthy believes is that the linebackers and the defensive backs aren't communicating. Um, no, and I there's there's a little bit of truth to that. So Leighton Van Resch was the the player wearing the green dot, the the helmet calling all the plays. Um, he got hurt in week one. They shifted it over to Jalen Smith, and it's just not something that Jalen Smith um, does well. Uh, they've had some miscommunications in the secondary. They're changing guys in and out on the defense. Uh, guys that were starting at safety earlier in the year are now playing cornerback. So I do think that's part of it. But there's also the the question of effort. Um, you if, if you watch that Cowboys and Browns game, you saw a lot of guys loafing around, jogging to the football, uh, not trying to make plays to, to tackle the runner. And I think that has to factor in there as well. If you're a Cowboy fan, what are you excited about? What are you liking about this team this year? Yeah, I think there's still, as you mentioned before, this offense has had a bunch of turnovers, a bunch of mistakes. And yet they're still scoring into the upper 30s every week. If they can cut out cut out some of those turnovers 
um, and just get down to one or two a game, this offense could very well average 38, 39 points a game. I mean, that's just how much talent they have uh, with the quarterback and the running back and the receivers. So if the defense can be any bit better in the, you know, the final three quarters of the season, if the offensive line can improve, which we think it will now that it's getting healthier and they can cut back on the turnovers, this could be a, an historically good offense. And um, with Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore and Dak Prescott all on the same page about how they want to win games, I expect some more of these big, big offensive production games from uh, Dak Prescott and company. And then finally, Marcus, if you're the Giants, where do you see the key to the game being against this Cowboys team? Yeah, it's just on offense, right? If the Giants can hit big plays down the field, which the Cowboys have just given up you know, constantly, uh, they'll have a lot of success. I'm really looking at Darius Slayton, who um, on the outside looking in, he looks like the most explosive receiver on this roster. Uh, again, the Cowboys are really banged up in the secondary. Trevon Diggs is a second-round rookie from Alabama who's dealing with a shoulder and a knee injury. He's been close to making plays so far, uh, but he's been surrendering a ton of yardage. Jordan Lewis has been bad. So if the Giants can protect up front and they can block the Cowboys' edge rushers, there should be guys running wide open all day long. So uh, they should be able to hit some big plays. And as a Cowboy fan and as a podcaster, I'm really nervous about uh, what this offense can do down the field. All right, Marcus, good stuff. He is Marcus Mosier of Locked On Cowboys. I am Patricia Train of Locked On Giants. We're going to take our final break here on the Locked On Giants podcast, switch over and flip the tables so that I answer Marcus's questions about the Giants on this crossover Thursday. Stay with us. If you're looking for that added boost to help you break through that afternoon wall, check out Built Go. Built Go comes in convenient 1.5-ounce packets and three delicious flavors to give you that surge of energy with just a third of the caffeine and without the crash feeling of other Energy Boost products. And now you can try Built Go at a special price. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED to get 30% off your next order. That's BuiltGo.com with the promo code LOCKED for your 30% discount. Hey, Giant fans, this is Patricia Trena, host of the Locked on Giants podcast, and I want to tell you about my debut book. It's called The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the New York Giants, and I've sought to create a living history of the top men and moments that have made one of the NFL's charter franchises what it is today. Relive the franchise's four Super Bowls. Find out what convinced former general manager Ernie Accorsi that quarterback Eli Manning was indeed the one. Learn about the events that brought the Tisch family into the Giants' ownership floor, and so much more. This 368-page paperback book includes loads of photos and stories of some of the greatest Giants in history as told in their own words. The Big 50, the men and moments that made the New York Giants, is now available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever else books are sold. So pick up your copy today. And if you like it, please give it a five-star review. And thank you so much for your support. All right, Cowboys and Giants fans, I'm here with Patricia Trainer of Locked on Giants to talk about the Cowboys-Giants Week 5 showdown in the NFC East. I want to say it's like a loser uh, leaves town match, but it really isn't. I mean, you could lose the next two or three games in the NFC East, and you're still going to be in contention. But uh, Patricia, I have to ask you, 
uh, first and foremost about our ex-coach, Jason Garrett. Um, how have the Giants fans liked him so far? What are the pros and cons have you seen um, from him as an offensive coordinator? Well, right now, the Giants offense is off to a slow start. So I think the jury is still out about Jason Garrett. Um, I know I, I like the hire when it was made because Jason Garrett is a former NFL quarterback. You know, he had a stint here with the Giants back in 2000, you know, was part of that Super Bowl team. Um, and I just think that Jason Garrett in, in the past has gotten a little bit more blame than maybe what he should have gotten. Now, with that said, the execution hasn't been there. And now there are some people who are kind of whipping out the knives for, for Garrett and for Daniel Jones. But, you know, what you have to remember is this is a rebuilding team. All right. The offensive line is still not complete. It won't be complete probably until next year. They don't have Saquon Barkley, who was a huge part of that offense. You know, so I'm sure Garrett had to throw out quite a bit of his playbook. And they've lost Sterling Shepard for at least another week who was so good at finding soft spots in the zone and getting open. So just, you know, a lot of uh, unexpected twists and turns for the Giants offense. It hasn't been what people maybe envisioned it would be, but I, I don't think anybody's really given up on them just yet. Yeah. And that's fair. I think, you know, one of the things that Jason Garrett does do really well is he, helps build an offensive line. You saw it in Dallas. So all the guys that he was able to bring in, I do think Andrew Thomas long-term is going to be a good fit there. So uh, I, I think the job's not done there for the Giants in their offensive line. Uh, you mentioned Saquon Barkley. How big of a loss is that? I know they brought in Devontae Freeman. Um, they weren't running the ball particularly well with him, uh, but what are the ways in which they're missing him so far this season? Well, I think in the passing game, I mean, I think the plan this year was they were going to get Barkley more involved in the passing game, get him out in space more where he could be a mismatch against linebackers and maybe even safeties. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, you're right. When when he was healthy and in the lineup, they weren't running the ball as well with Barkley in there. I think everything he gained, he had to work for. But, you know, you look at the passing game and and that's where I think they're really struggling most without him. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that you're always afraid of when you play the Giants is Barkley in the screen game is nearly unstoppable. And now that you don't have to really worry about that part of the offense, it becomes much easier to to slow down guys like Slayton and Evan Ingram and Golden Tate. So not having Barkley in the passing game is a is certainly a big loss for the Giants. Um, Patricia, let's go ahead and flip over to the other side of the ball. I want to talk about something that's very encouraging for the Giants. I thought James Bradbury was a fantastic signing by New York this offseason. Not a lot of people know about him. I mean, he's, he signed a big contract, but he's not necessarily a household name. Tell us how Bradbury has done in the first four games as, as a Giant. By far, he's been the best I would say he's been the best free agent signing that they've made. And that's no disrespect to Blake Martinez, who I would put it as a very close second to Bradbury. And the reason why I give Bradbury the edge is because the Giants, you know, way back when they signed him, um, the secondary was young. They were coming off of a rocky season. We just didn't know what was going to happen. And mm. the expectation was he would bring some stability and some calmness to that unit, which he has. Now, along the way, 
We know what happened with DeAndre Baker. He fell into some legal issues. Um, Sam Beal opted out. Now the Giants are, you know, they've been basically having a revolving door trying to find a second cornerback to complement Bradbury. But with all that said, you know, this is a guy who has really cranked up his game. And, you know, we've seen it from him before. I don't think a lot of people really pay attention. You know, they focus on the Stephon Gilmores of the league. But Bradbury went up against, you know, some really, really good receivers in the the, uh, NFC South. You know, Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, um, the guys down in Tampa Bay, Mike Evans, Godwin and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And And he held his own against those guys. So. You know, I, I just think that he, he brings that work ethic. You know, he doesn't say a lot when he's on the calls with us. He's just very kind of businesslike. But boy, does he let his his play do the talking. And he has just been a really, really good addition to that defense. And, and here's the other thing that I don't think he gets enough credit for. You know, we talk about the pass rush and how the back end and the front end have to support each other. Well, if the back end isn't holding up their end of the bargain, their coverage, then really the front end, and you're going to, you're going to find that they're going to be a hair or too late in getting home with the pass rush. That has not been the case this year. The Giants pass rush has actually been a little bit better than I think anybody has anticipated. And I think you've got to give some of that credit to Bradbury and the work he's done in the defensive secondary. So um, this is a question about Bradbury still, but also about the other cornerbacks, because one of the big advantages the Cowboys do have on their team is they have three super talented receivers, um, and most teams don't have the cornerbacks to match up with them. Uh, Who do you expect Bradbury to cover, um, and which of the other spots between maybe Isaac Gideon or Darnay Holmes uh, has been the bigger weakness this year? Well, Isaac Yadam has been – Benched, actually. I think his his mm. role, you know, they started him as a, it, it's interesting to, to, to bring you the, the sequence. They started off with Bradbury and Corey Ballantyne as the starters. And then after two weeks, Ballantyne was reduced to special teams and, and Yadam uh, took over as the starter. He was then replaced by Ryan Lewis. And so far, Ryan Lewis, who uh, had a, a cup of coffee, I think, last year with Washington yep. and, and this summer was with Washington. Um, he's actually played pretty well. Darnay Holmes has been their slot receiver. Or, I'm sorry, their slot cornerback. And it's interesting because that's a position he really didn't play in college. It's one that he's had to learn on the fly. So to answer your question about who's going to match up against whom, you know, the Cowboys receivers basically have a pick your poison type of deal. I don't hmm. know necessarily that it's going to make sense to say, for example, have Bradbury travel with uh, Amari Cooper. Where you know, I I just don't know that that's going to make sense. So my gut feeling is is they're going to stay on their sides, and whoever just happens to come their way comes their way. I mean, you might see an occasional you know travel here and there, but um, I, I would be surprised if you're going to see that a lot. All right, Patricia, one more question, we'll get you out of here. Um, the Giants pass rush, uh, you know, they, there's some names on that defensive line that teams will, I mean, that, you know, fans and podcast listeners will know, uh, but who is the guy that Cowboys need to be worried about the most on that front four? On the front four, um, 
I would say Leonard Williams, but I think everybody kind of knows him. Um, Leonard Williams has actually played a lot better this year. And I know the numbers don't reflect it, but he actually opens up opportunities for the other guys, you know, the Dexter Lawrence's and the Dalvin Tomlinson's. But I think if you're looking at a guy you want to keep an eye on, maybe keep, keep watch on Blake Martinez. Blake Martinez has been playing a much different role than what he's been playing in Green Bay, where he's now attacking. And while not necessarily, you know, like a big pass rusher per se, just to watch how, how quickly he shoots the gaps and gets into the backfields. And, I, and I'm looking at a stat right now, actually, where um, according to Pro Football Focus, he leads, um, tw- I think he leads the NFL with uh, 23 tackles for a loss or what, the, what Pro Football Focus calls a stop. Jeez. So, so uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's just been that much of a disruptor and this role really has fit him. You know, it, it, it's different than what he did in, in Green Bay last year. You know, he talked about it when he first came over. He said, hey, you know, I was more on the cleanup crew. So somebody basically – you know, messed up up front. He was there to kind of mop up after them. Now he's the one who's who's basically being more proactive in this scheme, and it's really fit, uh, fit him well. All right, Patricia, tell Cowboys fans where they can find your work and where they can find you at on Twitter. Sure, I'm at Patricia underscore Trina, and you can find my written work at GiantsCountry.com, which is an SI.com sports channel. And I'm at Marcus underscore Mosher. Patricia, good luck on Sunday, and I can't wait to talk to you later in the season. All right, sounds good. All right, Giant fans, that'll do it for this edition of the Locked on Giants podcast. Don't forget, on Friday, your questions take center stage, so make sure you get them in. You know what to do. Send them to me at LockedOnGiantsPodcast at gmail.com. If you want them for the podcast, you can also tweet them to at Patricia underscore Traina. Make sure you use the hashtag AskPTrain and just, just drop a little note in there saying that this that it's for the podcast so I don't mistakenly use the question for the Giants Country mailbag. So until tomorrow, have a great one and we'll talk to you soon.